this passage of Scripture is going to tie in with all of them. Chapter 6, verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, before we go into prayer this morning, I want us to remember Baki, Baki and Bobby. <laughs> Bobby and Becky. We said in Sunday school, I said I can almost, in the time that I've been in this church, you can count on your hands, one hand, the amount of times that they ain't been here. I talked with Bobby this morning, and he's uh, been dehydrated. Thank God for what the Lord did for your daddy. I want us to pray for Bobby this morning and lift him up, and Becky, and to lift her up. Take your faith and join, and let's believe God, not only to strengthen him, but to heal him and raise him up. Mm -hmm. This is part of fighting the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you had to use it for your own self. In fact, you always have to use it for your own self. And you also have to use it for your brother and sister in the faith. That is one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ. That sometimes when, you, when you're pressed enough that you don't feel like that you're doing much on your own, you've got somebody else that's praying for you. And not only that, but in the body of Christ, God's got people praying for you all over this world. <clears throat> That's why he wants to hook in in prayer because you may be praying for somebody else on the other side of this world that needs you just as bad as you needed them. Mm -hmm. It's a body. It's a body fitly joined together. So Thank pray you. with me this morning. Father, I just praise you. Let's create an atmosphere right now. I want us to practice this. I want this to become part of our consciousness. <clears throat> I want us to start saying the name of Jesus. Just help me say it. Voice it out loud enough that you can hear it. Let's fill this house with the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus. Now help me praise you. Praise, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's none like you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. Jesus, I thank you. I exalt you. I lift you up. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for making a way for me where there was no way. Thank you, Jesus. You did that for me. The power that's in the name of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. We express with our mouths the name of Jesus. We express with our hearts the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we praise you. 
Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Praise you. We don't come in prayer from a place of defeat. We come in prayer to a place of victory because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, let's pray. Father, I lift up Bobby. I lift up Becky. I speak the healing power of God into their bodies in Jesus' name. I curse all sickness. I curse all disease. I curse this attack. I speak healing and life into their bodies in Jesus' name. I speak the healing power of God into Carol's body. I speak the healing power of God in, into Diane's body. And I thank you, Lord. We stand in agreement today for the power of God flowing into these bodies. I thank you, Lord, for flowing into Lynn's daddy, Mr. Ranny's body, quickening him. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if he dwells in us, he will quicken our mortal bodies. So we speak the life of God. We speak the nature of God. We speak the power of God into their bodies in Jesus' name. And we set ourselves in agreement that they, be, that they would rise up, that they would be strengthened, thank you, and healed and set free and delivered. Supernatural charging with the power of God. Thank you, Lord. And if you're in here and you need that, say, I take it. I take it. I take that. I take that. That's not just for them. I take that. I receive it. Jesus did that for me. Jesus did that for us. Jesus did that for his body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You did that for me. Father, now, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places and ask that you grant us according to the riches of your glory <clears throat> to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man that Christ may dwell on our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that we'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, when it comes to faith, you've got more than you think, than you think that you have. Now, your faith granted can grow. And God wants it to grow. Amen. There's some things that have to be established. And one is where faith originates from and where, where it comes from. Faith is an attribute and a quality of God. You won't get it apart from God. <clears throat> it's part of who he is. 
He gave us an example of faith working in the very first book that's in the Bible. When God saw the darkness and he saw the chaos that was, that was and he did something about it. And he used his faith to speak. And when he spoke, something happened. Now, a picture of faith is New Testament from the book of Romans is this. Being, being fully persuaded. See, if we're not fully persuaded, we're not in a place of faith. We may be moving to a place of faith, but if we're not fully persuaded, we're not there yet. God wants to convince us. See, a lot of times we've got that thing totally twisted around. And what we're doing in our prayer is we're trying to convince God that he needs to do this for me or for this other person. That is a wrong concept. God is trying to convince us of what he has said in his word. Because if he can get us persuaded of what he has said in his word, then we can have what he said in our word. So, which is better for me to try to get God to, to get on the page with me or me to get on the page with God? If God is a God who does not change, and he's the same yesterday and today forever, then it would behoove me. It would be, be to my benefit on my behalf to get on the page with him and to find out how he does things. Oh, but we've always did it like this. Just because you've always did it like that doesn't mean that it always work. Mm -hmm. But what God is saying will always work. It'll always accomplish because we've got on the page with him. Mm -hmm. So God, he wants to persuade me that I am persuaded in him to take a hold of what he says. Somebody comes and asks you a question. Let's start out with this one. If they say, are you saved? And you say, I sure hope I am. I get that, you will get that answer from a lot of people. Sometimes you'll get it sometimes right here in the church. Just having a right answer is not what you're after. It's having a right answer on the inside of you that makes the right answer, that lines up with the Word of God. And know why you believe it. Know why you said it. And you're thoroughly convinced of it. See, when you're thoroughly convinced of it, somebody can, you can have your mind made up. And somebody else can come and try to talk you out of it. In fact, does this... Does, uh, preacher and he was telling this about his about his son he said my son was called into the ministry he said and i talked him out of it and you would look at me up you would talk him out of the ministry brothers and sisters if somebody can talk you out of it that easy You weren't fully persuaded. And you can run in through a lot of different things. And sometimes this one speaks real loud in our life. Pain. Did you know pain had a voice? Mm -hmm. And 
when you say things and read things in the word like, by his stripes I'm healed. And then pain says, you ain't healed. Who are we going to listen to? See, these things, these truths from the word of God has got to be more deep-rooted than just something. And this is one of the things that, that uh, it's almost scary in some ways. That you find people that come to church just enough to hear two or three words. And then you don't see them and then they wonder why they ain't got no faith. When, and sometimes you can be right in church and still not here. Brothers and sisters, I've been in church 40-some years, and there's a lot of things that's went over, over this head. But there's a lot of things that this head is trying to, is after right now, and this heart is after right now. Mm -hmm. See, because first, where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, or hearing what God says. You say, well, I don't want to hear what God says. Let me tell you something. If we won't hear what God says, it's impossible to, to have faith. You can't get it any other way. Well, I believe I got faith. Well, if you don't know what God said, you ain't got no, you ain't got no faith because you have nothing to base it on. All faith is based on what God says. All faith is based, all the God kind of faith is based on what God said. Now, you may have a natural human faith. You may have a strong constitution. You may have a strong will. But you know, as well as I do, and you've seen people that will fight to the very end, but they might not be fighting the good fight of faith. And they might have been fighting the way that they've always fought instead of the way that the good fight of faith has fought. And God wants us to be fully persuaded that what he has said, he's able to do it. Now I'm going to make a statement to us, and this was in a, this was in a book, Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. F.F. F. Bosworth, during the Azuzu revival that took place in California, he was a little fellow. See, there was a lot of children that were raised up to be ministers of the gospel out of that out of that revival that took place there. They were children that were, were in the presence of God, that the glory of God filled the house, mm -hmm. and it said it was like a, uh, a cloudy, glowy mist that was in the room. And he said the children, some of them would reach up and touch it like this. It was just a tangible presence of God. Amen. It had such an effect on their lives that they became men and many ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was used mightily in the era of healing in, the, in that realm. Here was one of the statements that he made. He said, faith is only present where the will of God is known. Well, I, I think I know what the will of God. You can't be in faith there. You've got to know what the will of God is. You, it's got to be more than what I hope is going to have place. It's more than what I want to take place. It's more than what I need. I made this statement in Sunday school. I want to make it again. Smith Wigglesworth said this, God would walk past a million people in need 
to get to one person who would believe. You'd have thought that out of a million people, there would be somebody who was believing. Oh, they love God. Just because we love God doesn't mean we always believe God and what He says. And He wants us anchored into what He says. And all faith is based on what God said. This is one of the reasons that I have taken us recently in this here type of prayer so that we can see where agreement starts working and comes into play. God said in his word, he says, I'm the strength of your heart and my portion. David says, you're the strength of my heart and my portion. That's agreement with what he says. Well, I sure hope that God will, will show up this time. I really need him. That's not agreement. I mean, agreement is what he says, and I don't deviate from what he says. I've caught the heart of what he says. He says, Isaiah, by my stripes you're healed. David says, by my stripes you're healed. I say that. I'm in agreement with what he said. Matthew 8, 17 says, and this is answer to Isaiah 53, and he says, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I say, himself took our infirmity and bore our sicknesses. Now, let me interject another one right now. Pain says, starts talking loud and you say by my stripes you're healed and pain says no you ain't and his word says by my stripes you're healed and pain says, no, you ain't. And his word says, by my stripes, you're healed. And pain says, no, you ain't. What are you going to do in a situation like that? You got two voices that you're listening, that's, that's talking. What are we going to do? How about this one? We'll back back up to this one in just a second. I just messed up royally. I feel like a dog. And he says, if you believe in your heart and confess me with your mouth, I'd save you. For with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Somebody says to you, I thought you were saved. Safe people don't act like that. Safe people don't do that. You got another voice. Which are we going to believe? Are we going to believe God? 
Brothers and sisters, you can miss it. You can step out of line. And thank God for the forgiveness that brings us back in line. But are you, are you saved because you missed it or not missed it? Or are you saved because of what God said in his word? That we believe in our heart and we confess him with our mouth. Now, let me say this. Because there's other scriptures that line up with this that bring everything. This is why we get on certain little tangents and we get off track so easily because we're persuaded by our feelings and by situations rather than by the word of God. And God is endeavoring to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Now, when you miss it, don't justify missing it. Call it the ugly thing that it is. Acknowledge it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But don't habitually keep walking that same way. Now, this has to do with your salvation and this also has to do with your healing. Because there's many voices that will talk many different ways contrary to the word of God. And if we're going to walk in victory, we're going to have to walk by what God says. Now, what am I going to do if the pain says, no, you ain't? Here's a bold one. Shut up. You ain't my boss. And take the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the authority that's been given you as a believer and use that against that thing that's coming against you. Something you're faced with that's causing you to be tempted to, to lead you away that you don't need to go. Or are you going to say to that one? Well, I hope it'll leave. I hope it'll leave so I don't have to go that way. No. That same boldness. You tell it to shut up and you take authority over it. You're in that driver's seat. You've got choices. I've got choices that we make to stand against. Now, I'm saying all of that to say something. Brothers and sisters, February, I mean January the 15th, that Sunday, we're going to be starting revival right here. Huh? Is it the 16th? Is Sunday the 16th? Yep. Sunday the 16th. We're going to be starting revival. Don't let the enemy, because there's two things that he wants to do. He wants to block something from happening so that you can't make it over your mountains to get to the places that God's got for you to go. 
Sometimes he'll use your body. How many attacks in the body has been here in just the last few days? He would want to hinder you from being able to catch what God wants to take place. See, when you start praying things out, the enemy knows because there's certain things that we're praying. Because he wants you to back off. He wants you to shrink back. Well, I'd rather for them to, if they'll just go to church, I don't really mind that. But when they're starting to, they're starting to see some things. They're starting to catch some things. If they catch that, there ain't nothing I can do about it. And brothers and sisters, make up your minds that I'm going to hold on to God and I'm going to step up to the things that he's got for me to go in. Amen. Been to church for a long time. I love Jesus. But man, there's, there's, more to the, there's more to this kingdom of God than what I've tapped into. So that we've got a made up mind. Because I shared just a little bit and I want to reinforce it again. Because there's something I'm believing God for. In this, in this revival. And I want you to hook up with me for this. Phil said the church in Nebraska, they were believing God for three times the power. And I told him, I said, I'm believing God for ten times the power. Now, it don't have to do nothing with a, um, with a competition. competition. That's my word. What a competition. It said that Daniel in the Bible that these men, when, when they would not take and bow and eat the king's meat, that God made them ten times smarter, ten times wiser. Brother Hagin said this about himself. He said, before I got born again, he said, I had a straight D report card. After I got born again, I had a straight A report card. He said, the power of God coming into a person's life there's a lot of power that we've not tapped into that's been made available to us. We've sold out, for, we've sold, sold out and sold, settled for short when we should have come up. So I'm not saying this because I want to be in a, in, a, uh, in a comparison with the church that's in Nebraska because their three times might have been our ten times. But that's what's in my heart. And Brother Noah had challenged me with this. He said, uh, couldn't we have a hundred times more? And I thought about that and I said, yeah, we could have a hundred times more. But it'd probably be good to start with ten times more. But one of the things that I started seeing after that, that he was saying something to us as a church. Lord, I want 10 times more power. 
ten times more of your glory. And he's saying, ten times the thirst. Ten times the hunger. Ten times the dedication. Ten times the commitment. Ten times the forgiveness. Ten times the mercy. Ten times the compassion. Ten times the love. <clears throat> well, I wanted, I wanted the ten times the power and ten times the glory, but I wanted that all to be you and not me. And God is always wanting to bring more to the table. But my question is, am I willing to open myself up to move into the ten times that he's asking of me? Because there's something that I saw early on in Scripture. John the Baptist had disciples just like Jesus had. There came a time when the disciples of John left John and started following Jesus. And a lot of times when if you're caught in your, your own little world and people's propping it up, John could have said something like this. Oh my God, they're following Jesus and I ain't going to have no, nobody following me. John said this because he saw what his purpose was. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. See yourself that way. That if God wants to increase in me, there's things about me that have to decrease. And the greater places, the bigger places in God, the doorway into it is always smaller than what we are. There's got to be a humbling of ourselves to walk into that. We want to walk in the freedom of God. We want to walk in the provision of God. But a lot of times we don't want to move from who we are. We don't want to decrease from who we are. And this is one of the things that's going to happen in this revival. There's going to be some things that are going to be starting to strip, strip away. Are you going to look back and grieve because of what's been stripped away and want those things back? Or are you going to want the glory and the power? I want us to walk in the glory and the power. But if your identity is tied just to what you've done in the past and who you are right now instead of tied into Jesus, we're going to miss, we will miss out on a lot of the things that God wants to do. Our identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. And I'm sold out. He's all that I want. He's things he's going to be asking for us. And he wants us to receive them. Because the Spirit of God is going to be moving in this house. Because there's things he wants accomplished in the house. Yeah. There's things that he wants to accomplish to flow out of the house. Amen. There's things that he wants us to take with us out of the house to touch people's lives, to walk in this power. Amen. And I believe he's going to be calling us to do that. Amen. 
and I want you to hook your faith up with me. And the other night, and I've been doing this quite regularly in prayer, but it was 1138, just before New Year's. Usually David is... I told Sandy, I said, um, let's praise this new year in. So we started, we started the same thing that I did with us just a few minutes ago. I said, we started lifting up the name of Jesus. We started saying the name of Jesus, saying the name of Jesus, saying the name of Jesus. And then started praising Jesus and praising Jesus and thanking the Father. And then we started hooking into these here things that I'm just, and Sandy was saying and I was saying, and we, she'd say a word and I'd say a word. She'd say a word and I'd say a word. Ten times to forgiveness. Ten times to mercy. Ten times to compassion. Ten times to love. Have you got capacity in you? Do you need a little more love than you got right now? Do you need a little more forgiveness than you've got right now? Do you need a little mercy? Do you need a little compassion? What would it be like to have ten times the compassion? Ten times the love. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. A lot of times when we look at, when we say the love and the compassion and all, we look at for somebody else. How would it be if we had ten times the Mercy on ourselves. Amen. Ten times the forgiveness for ourselves. Ten times the love. That's right. Brothers and sisters, at the same time we sow, we also reap. Amen. So let these things be a place that we start giving place to and mixing faith with. This is part of the good fight of faith. Now I want us to look at our text. And I'm going to read something to us because this morning we're going to take communion together. You said, well, we just, take, we just took communion last Sunday. Been a while since we had taken it. Let me say something. We took communion last Sunday, sealing last year. But also starting to cast vision for this year. Amen. Now, instead of a New Year's resolution, these things ought to be things that's burning in our heart and we seal them with the name of Jesus Amen. and the blood of Jesus, the power of God to communion. Because there's something that I want you to have for you yourself in your relationship with God. And that is such a fixed determination that I'm going to follow him with every fiber of my being. That I'm going to lay myself on the altar before him. Yes. And I have nothing else that I can give, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I give myself. I offer myself a living sacrifice. See, a lot of times people say, I'm willing to die for Jesus. 
But something that Jesus wants even more than that is somebody that will live for him. And that heart to be, Lord, I'm sold out to you. Lock, stock, and barrel. And there is nothing that I'm holding back from you. And there's nothing that I want any more than I want you. And if there's something else that's in between, it's a good chance that he's going to be speaking to you before the revival, and he's going to be speaking to you during the revival. Don't let it be something that stands between you and your miracle, you and your healing, you and your relationship with God. Because we're wanting all of God but we're not wanting to give all of ourselves. But we'll never experience the much more until we are willing to give of what we have. Sacrifice of what we have. Give place to what we have. I want to read something to us. I thought it was beautiful. This goes along with this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> I'm going to read this. Holly and Curtis and Tyler gave us this book, Christmas of 2012. Amen. She said, Dad, Thank you for always being there for me. Setting the example of faith and action. For being the spiritual leader I needed growing up. An example of somebody to model my life after. I've been so very blessed to have you in my life and to have the opportunity to call you dad. We love you so much and hope you will enjoy using this devotional book in the coming year. Merry Christmas. Love always. Holly and Curtis and Tyler. Help me do the math. Two thousand ten, I mean two thousand twelve. Ten. 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 This is our first January 1st. Resolve to grow. Do you want to grow? I can look in here and honestly say I can see growth in the people that are in this church. Mm -hmm. Some have grown more than others. But God is calling us all up. All of us up. Amen. And he says, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. The only fight Christians are called to fight is the fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Let this one soak in because this comes so much against religious thinking and churchy thinking. If 
you're in any other kind of fight, you're in the wrong fight. There's no need to fight the devil. Jesus already defeated the devil. There's no need fighting sin. Jesus is the cure for sin. There is a fight. And therefore enemies are hindrances to faith. The greatest enemy of faith is a lack of understanding of God's word. Let me say that again. The greatest enemy, and so many times we give so much accolade to sin and to the devil because of our lack of understanding of the word of God. And a lot of times we're held captive because of our lack of understanding of the word of God. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we'd rather glorify the devil and his power over us than to glorify God and his word and the power of God over the devil. We've got things so twisted and, and out of place. So the greatest enemy, my greatest enemy, your greatest enemy, is a lack of understanding of the word of God. Because when you see something different from the word of God than you see it right now, that's the truth. It will liberate you and set you free. In fact, all hindrances to faith center around this lack of knowledge. Now, F.F. Bosworth had made this statement. Faith is only present where the will of God is known. Faith is only present where the will of God is known. If you don't know that something's the will of God, you won't put all of yourself into it. To stand for it or to stand against. If we think that it's God doing this, using it, then we'll side in with it. But if it's God saying in his word, he spells it out and he says, you stand against this thing. Resist your enemy and he will flee. You will not and I will not and nobody else will not resist something that they're wanting to stay. And you will not stand against something that you're not totally convinced. If it's sin, you won't stand against it when you... When you when you're pacifying it or playing with it. But if, it, if you could see that sin for what it was, as a snake that was getting ready to bite you, you would stand against it in a different way instead of a temptation to, oh, da -da 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 But a lot of times we're lulled that way. And we think because we're led away by our own passions and desires. And instead of standing against the things that we need to stand against, we, we play pity pat with them. 
lack of understanding of the Word of God. In fact, all hindrances to faith center around this lack of knowledge because you can't believe or have faith beyond your actual knowledge of the Word of God. <clears throat> yeah, but I got faith. Well, tell me what the Word of God says about this. I can't tell you what the Word of God says. What does that tell you about the faith? You may aspire to have it. You may want to have it. You may need it. But if you don't know what the Word of God says, and this is how it comes, it's impossible to have it. Well, I want to bypass that system. Newsflash. You can't bypass God's systems. Nobody has ever broken into the systems of God. There ain't no hackers that can do it. You may be smart and you may have smoothed it with other people, but you can't get past what God says in his word. We ain't that smart. However, faith will automatically grow. Catch this. Faith will automatically grow as your understanding of God's word grows. Mm -hmm. You won't have to to persuade God to do something for you because you will know it was his idea in the beginning. And he's just been trying to get us on the page with him. If you're not growing, it's because your knowledge of God's word is not growing. You can't grow or develop spiritually if you're not growing in faith. Because we go from faith to faith. I remember when I was in Sunday school. Little fella. Miss Christine Barnes said this. She said, I told the story about David and Goliath. And she said, you thought you was David. You know what? I still think I'm David. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You ought to think you are who the Bible says you are. You ought to think you can do what the Bible says you can do. That's what we ought to think. Amen. There ought to be a confident boldness inside of us because we're persuaded of what God has said. Amen. I can't do that. Well, you can be defeated. But if you get tired of being defeated, we will take in what God says. Get on the page with him so that he can raise us up because we will get it. I love that. However, your faith will automatically grow. Automatically grow. Automatically grow. As your understanding of God's word grows. Why have I tried for so many years to put this into our heart? What God says, what God says. Yeah, but this is what I believe. It, what you believe ain't worth five cents. If it's not lining up with what God says in his word. Amen. Because it will not produce no faith. 
The only thing that will produce faith is what God says. Amen. And believing what God says. Yeah, but I want to know what you... Uh, David, I want to know what you... You don't want to know what I believe. You want to know what the Word of God says. And when the Word of God says it, catch it. Say, that's what the Word of God says. And I'm not letting nothing, no other voice talk me out of that. Pain, speaking loud, shut up, and start speaking what the Word of God says. Does it take faith to do that? Absolutely. Let me give you, before I read any further, let me give you this. Smith Wigglesworth. When I read about him, one of the men that were used so mightily in gifts of healing and miracles, he dealt with this in his own body. He had kidney stones so bad that the doctors told him that if he didn't have an operation because his kidneys were full, Johnny, of kidney stones. And he said, if you don't have these here things removed, he said, you will die. And he would, he would preach under the anointing. Get people healed, come home, lay on the floor and roll, and his clothes would be covered with blood because of those stones cutting in his body. He made this statement. He said, a knife will never touch my body. He was talking about an operation. He said, a knife will never touch my body. For I think it was for six years, he dealt with that. And if you ever had a kidney stone, you know the agonizing pain that that is. And when he was 80-some years old, he said, I'm stronger today than I was when I was a young man because of the power of God. He tapped into the power of God. He believed what the Word of God said more than what he believed what his body was telling him. And he hooked into it. And he would not turn it loose. And he had that bulldog faith. And he latched on. And you could take a swing him out like this and swing him back. And he was still holding on. Now, a lot of times we got that determination for things that we ought to be turning on loose instead of on things that we ought to be holding on to. God's going to be speaking to us before this revival and during this revival, and I trust that we will be obedient to the Spirit of God Amen. so that he can raise us up to a higher place. Because there's things that he wants to walk in. And it shall be, it shall be a sad thing, a sad commentary, for the house to be filled with the glory of God, and I miss it. And I'll walk out the same way that I did when I came in. Now that's a crying shame to be in the presence of God and still be the same old David that I was before. I need him, brothers and sisters. We need him. However, your faith will automatically grow as your understanding of God's word grows because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
If your faith is not growing, it's because your knowledge of God's Word is not growing. You can't grow and develop spiritually if you're not growing in faith. Because faith is always a byproduct of the Word. Always a byproduct of the Word. The best resolution you can make today is that in the upcoming year, your knowledge of God's Word will grow. Then give yourself to study of the Word. And it will automatically, catch that word, automatically. But I'm, I'm trying so hard to have faith. Oh, I really want to have faith so bad. I want to have strong faith. But I don't want to catch what his word says. I don't want to read his word. I don't want to fellowship with him around his word. You know what we just did? We're trying to bypass his system. We're trying to hack the power of God. Instead of getting in line with the word of God, we're wanting to be a hacker instead of a doer. We'll never get it by hacking. We'll get it by doing. Then give yourself to study of the word. It will automatically follow that your faith will grow. However, or excuse me, hence, you will grow and develop spiritually. I want to be there. See, a lot of times we're so focused on what I need to cut off and what I need to do rather than giving the attention to what really needs to be done. What really needs to be done is my focus on God and on His Word and giving place to the Word of God. And then you'll find those things that we were holding on to so, so much. I see I don't need these things anymore. And God has, God has risen up great in my behalf. And brothers and sisters, there's room in every one of us. You can't look at just one person and say, well, if you did this, this would change in your life. Who don't have room for change in their life? Mm -hmm. And purpose this in your heart. I will, I'm going to make every one of these services. Every one of them. Because the one, the one that you, that's the hardest for you to get to is the one you're going to need the most. Amen. I've seen it time and time and time and time again. The one that I need the most is usually the one that's the hardest to get to. This is fighting the good fight of faith. And you know what? I'm looking at a house full of overcomers. Amen. I'm looking at a house full of victorious people. Amen. I take that. Amen. I take that. Did you catch that? Mm -hmm. What'd she say? I take that. Amen. Sign me up. Amen. That's me. That's right. That's me. Amen. My faith is going to grow this year. Amen. Now, a lot of times we're we're like this here. We're like an apple tree. 
Why disciples growing? You put the apple tree in the right environment and it'll produce the apple. Amen. You put the child of God in the right atmosphere and they will produce faith. Amen. The right atmosphere is feeding on God's word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. It's true. Want to seal this together with me? Yes. Let's take communion together today. Amen. I want to serve you again.